make your way back to your seats. Uh, I just want to uh, welcome uh, Brandon Silva to come up front. Brandon's uh, been a member here at Coastlands, or has been coming to Coastlands for quite a while. We don't have members. And uh, Brandon's going to share today. He's going to share what God's put on his heart. So with that, uh, welcome Brandon, and uh, he's going to speak. Good morning. Can you guys hear me? Is it on? All right. Well, do you guys come to church with anticipation that God can change you? Really? I do sometimes. Most of the time I come to church because I know it's what I'm supposed to do. But I really do believe that God desires to change us. And whenever I bring a message, whenever I get the opportunity to do this, um, I'm not a very theological kind of man. I'm a very practical kind of man. And I come with the heart of bringing of truth, recognizing a lie, and then figuring out how to move with the truth past the lie into an empowerment, into a changed life. And so that's what I'm going to do today. Um, they're always really simple and basic, but I believe that God loves to give us the simple things. You know, it says he takes the simple things and confounds the wise. He uh, made it so a person like me can operate in his kingdom, if you understand what I'm saying. Um, so there's a couple things I want to do first. First of all, I'd like you guys to join me in prayer for our pastor. Um, what a great man he is. What a heart he puts into this, and right now he's in a retreat in, of all places, Mississippi, with some, um, some people, I guess mentors and people that he really respects, and if you guys would just join me in um, asking God to really meet him there. So Lord, we come before you, and we ask that you would be with Chris, that you would fill him up, God, that you would heal him up, that he would be so overcome by your presence that he would be changed, that he would be more like you, and that he would um, just be rejuvenated to come and to be with us um, in the weeks and months to come. And so we bless him, Lord, and we thank you for him and how you've uh, brought him to us, and um, we thank you. In your name we pray, amen. So God, I pray right now that you would increase the anticipation in this room that you would open our hearts, Holy Spirit, to receive the freedom that you want to bring today. Increase our faith, God. Help us to believe the things that you've said. You've said that you would make us people of impact, that you would take us and change the world, and that you would heal us and bring us to a place of wholeness. And so, God, I, I understand that it's a process, but I pray that you would further that process here this morning. Holy Spirit, without you, these are just flat words. But with your presence and with your impact, our lives can change. And so we invite you here this morning. Come and take the honored seat amongst us, Holy Spirit, and have your way. We love you. Amen. Okay, so I've entitled this Kingdom Living. 
And what I'm going to talk about is how to be an effective member of God's kingdom throughout the different stages and struggles of our lives. Because we're all on this journey processing through our time here on earth. And, you know, it wasn't too long ago that I was in high school. And I always thought about, when I graduate high school, I'm going to do this. And I thought I was so busy in high school. Well, little did I know how busy I would become. You know, and then some of us do college or, or trade school or whatever. And we think, you know, this is great. I encountered God during that time, so I thought, I'm just going to live my life for God. But I didn't know what that looked like. And so these next few years have been processing out of being a 37-year-old father and husband and business owner. And I'm trying to look and say, God, how do I really be an effective member of your kingdom? How do I do this when I don't have any time? When I am, talk about becoming a father and, or mother and realizing how much junk you still have in you. Because when those little ones start getting after you, it starts coming out. At least for me, I don't know about you guys, but it does for me. And so it's like, God, I have so much work that needs to be done. I'm so busy. What does this look like? And, you know, I found myself becoming what I cliche call a Sunday Christian. I go to church. I'm here. You guys see me. I'm here most of the times. I believe in Jesus. I worship. I tithe. But then, all of a sudden, life happens, and I look up, and it's Sunday again. Has that ever happened to you guys? It's like Groundhog's Day. Sunday happens, and then you're like, oh, yeah, okay, God. And then you, all of a sudden you're hammered by life, and then Sunday's there again, and Sunday's there again. And, you know, I'm just, I have that, and then you add on the guilt that you feel about your shortcomings, about your struggles. And, you know, you'd sometimes, at least for me, I don't know about you guys, but I just don't mind Sunday coming and going and living life. And it's just like, Entering into the kingdom and living life in the kingdom, sometimes it just feels like an overwhelming burden that I don't know what I would do and how I would do it, and so Sunday just happens again, and I'm like, okay, it happens again. But the truth is, is that deep down inside of me, I am not satisfied with that. And I know that for each one of us here that have the Holy Spirit living inside of us, that we're all not satisfied with that. Because God has made us for something so much more than just going through this life and having a touch on Sunday. God has created us. The God of all creation, the galaxies all the way down to the simple cell. I mean, if you actually get out in nature and spend some time, it blows your mind at how grand our God is. And our God has created us for a life full of beauty and brilliance and purpose. And so that's kind of what we're going to talk about today, is how to overcome the struggles, the attacks, the day-to-days, and walk into um, an everyday living of the kingdom of God. So I've kind of broken this down into four different pieces. And so I'll give you this layout. First, we need to be deeply grounded in the truth. It is the most important thing, is to be deeply grounded in the truth. How does God see you? Because 
we're, given, we're getting all this other stuff thrown at us from society about who we are, what we're supposed to be. And it's counterculture of God's kingdom. And so we need to know who our God is, who he's called us to be as his children, and who our identity is in him. Second, we need to recognize that we have an enemy that wants to make us ineffective. We're supposed to be effective here on this earth. We are the hands and feet of Christ. We are. That's what God called us. He said that you are my ambassadors. You are my disciples. And we have an enemy that wants to make us ineffective. And one of the ways he does it is my, how I introduced, in, had the introduction in the sense of like Western culture. It's classic. You go to Africa, you see demons manifesting. You go to all these other places and you see like the physical effects of the demonic on the world. You go to America, you know what you see? Distraction and busyness. And it's so easy for us as the church to fall into that and then to become ineffective. And so we need to recognize that we have an enemy and that he wants to make us ineffective and how he does that. Third, we need to recognize our enemy's tactics against us. This is very personal. Each tactic is different for each person. This is the part that I had the hardest with in my message, but I feel like it's the most important, and I feel like it's where God wants to set some of us free in, is the individual tactics that the enemy uses against us. And so I just want to encourage you right now to open your hearts up to the Holy Spirit, bringing these attacks, these tactics that the enemy uses. It's personal for you. It's got to do with some of your past. It's got to do with words spoken over you. These are the places that he pushes and it keeps us ineffective. And lastly, we need to take action and be intentional about how we live our lives. So you guys want to unpack this with me? Yeah? All right. So we're going to start with the truth. Jesus said in John 8, 31 and 32, if you hold to my teachings, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. God is in the business of setting us free. Our enemy is in the, purpose, in the business of binding us, making us captive. And what did God say would set us free? The truth. So, what is the number one truth? <laughs> we hear it all the time. We're going to look at some truths, but I'm going to I'm going to rest on this for a second. How many times have you guys heard that God loves you? Throughout your whole church experience. I hope some of you guys have heard the Holy Spirit say, I love you. That's so impactful when the Holy Spirit just says, I love you. But why do we hear it so much? Because we don't believe it. We need to hear that love over and over and over again. So I stand before you today and say, God loves you. In your entirety, in all of your imperfections, in your failings, when you came to church this morning with unholy things on your mind and anger in your heart, because I know that happens. I was sitting out there, and my son was smushing the map in the back of my seat. And I'm like, son, what are you doing? And I'm like, okay, push that away right? It doesn't really matter. That stuff bubbles up. 
But it doesn't matter. God loves us. He knew who we would be, created us anyways, and said, I love you for every bit of who you are. And so this is where Brandon gets cheesy, okay? I do this, but I believe in the power of this. I want you guys to say, God loves me. Go ahead. One, two, three. There's something so powerful about the spoken word. Just let that sink in. And I'm going to read some scriptures that talks about God's love. Just let it, I'm going to just read over them, let it just cleanse you. The word of God cleanses us. And just let it set in and believe it, okay? Now, we all know John 3.16. We love that scripture. I don't need to read that one to you. You've heard it so many times. I'm going to go and start with Jeremiah 31.3. The Lord appeared to us in the past saying, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with unfailing kindness. Psalms 103.17. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him and his righteousness with their children's children. Psalms 32.10. Many are the woes of the wicked, but the Lord's unfailing love surrounds the ones who trust him. Thank you, Lord. May your unfailing love be my comfort according to your promises to your servant. And probably one of my favorites, because this man really understood it because of where he came from and what he did, where Paul in Romans 8.39 says, Neither height nor death, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. When you hear the scriptures just speak about God's love for you, doesn't it? It just kind of lifts you up. Something inside of your spirit kind of jumps a little bit. At least it does for me. I need to embrace that love. And if we're going to talk about the truth setting us free, God's love sets us free. And that's a truth that we all need to remember. <laughs> the next truth, <clears throat> there is no condemnation in Christ. Romans 8.1 says, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. How many times have we who call ourselves by the name of Christ live under shame and condemnation? It is one of the enemy's greatest attacks on us. If you can tell, I'm very passionate about this. So, he overcame hell by dying for us, right? Right. He will certainly walk with us through our struggles. If he went to the grave for us, why can't we just embrace the fact that we have struggles and that he'll walk through it with us? He's not afraid of our struggles. He's not condemning us. He already died for us. But so often, we own the shame that the enemy puts on us that God has already taken to the grave. I was praying and I was like, God, Speak to me about this. And this is what he said. I will walk with you through your personal hell here on earth. That's what he said to me, and that's what he says to each one of us. 
Life throws crazy things at us. We find ourselves going into self-induced personal hells and outside circumstance personal hells. And Jesus is saying, I will walk with you through that. God will not abandon us in his time of need. We may want to hide. When we're, when we're messing up, when we're doing silly stuff, we want to hide. But guess what? God's not hiding. God's not. So many times you think, I was raised this way in the early time of my church. Well, if you sin, God can't fellowship with a sinner. I don't know if any of you guys have experienced that. That's not the truth. God's already made you sanctified. He's already made you a new creation in Christ Jesus. If you invite God in to walk with you through your struggles, he will walk with you through your struggles. So this is in big caps, just so I don't get in trouble when Chris hears this. Please understand that we should not continue to live in sin. But it is the love of God through this process that will help you overcome sin. But in that process, you don't have to own condemnation. Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You can't earn God's love. It's a free gift. Truth number three. Our culture says we have to earn everything. We have to work for what we get. This truth is so hard for Western people, especially Americans, to grasp a hold of. But you cannot earn God's love. It is a free gift. And you can't earn any more of it. You already have the whole thing of God's love. It's us who put those barriers up. Who say, well, you can't love this part of me. Or I can have this degree of God's love, but not more. Number four, you are valuable in the kingdom and God has a plan for your life. I know that a lot of people in this room don't feel valuable. I know that because I feel that sometimes and I think that that is just a foundation of humanity is the need to feel accepted and loved and valuable. So, if that's like a foundation of, who, of how God made us, where do you think the enemy is going to come and attack? Right in that spot. Right in the spot that says, you're not valuable. Well, a truth that sets us free is understanding and accepting what Jesus has said, what God has said. And he said that you are valuable and that I have a plan for you. In Jeremiah 29, 11, it says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call on me and pray to me, and, you will listen, and I will listen to you. You will seek me, and you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. God proclaims to his people, I have a plan for you. That you are valuable. You know that means you're valuable. When someone says, hey, I have a job for you to do. They're putting value on you and believing that you could accomplish that job. So when God says, I know the plans I have for you, he's saying, I value you and there's purpose for you in this life. God loves you for who you are, not for what you do. Number five, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. God knits you in your mother's womb. Okay? It's not about what you do. I know that kind of 
ties in with three, but it's just so important for us to hear it. He loves you for who you are, not for what you do. Here's one for you. You can hear God. It just takes some practice. So many of us want to hear God. So many of us take somebody that hears God and says, hear God for me. You know, I love hearing God. I believe that I do hear God. But I also believe that I miss it sometimes. But you know what? I'd rather miss it nine times out of ten and hear God once because that's better than not hearing God at all. And so, ask God to speak to you. You're going to come into this place of like, is this my mind? Is this God? There's this struggle that goes around there. Well, let me tell you that if it's got something to do with love and freedom, if it goes against the stuff that you were raised in, like when, when, when God says you are valuable, when you're in prayer, you're asking God to speak to you, and you hear you are valuable, but you're like deepest part inside of you thinks you're not, that's the Holy Spirit. If it lines up with the Scriptures, that's the Holy Spirit. Allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Take the time to listen. I was, it was about eight years ago, I went down to the Pismo Pier before I started work every day, and I prayed that God would open my heart up to hear him and to operate in the prophetic. I did that for a year and a half. And over that time, it just built inside of me. I, I took risks, and I heard God, and I spoke it out. And people would be like, well, how, how do you know that? And I'm like, I don't. That was God. You know, and it, it, it's powerful. But you have to desire it. You have to set time aside. And you have to practice it. If you don't actually practice hearing God, you'll never know it's God for other people. Ask God to speak to you for somebody. God, what does this person need to hear? And what's the worst thing that's going to happen? Hey, I really felt like God was saying this. That makes no sense to me. Okay, I could have totally missed that. I'm sorry. But be blessed today. Big deal, right? I mean, yeah, we have pride, but lay it down. Because the other side of that is, my God, how did you know that? Hearts change. You can hear God. And here's another big one. God will make up for your lacking. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. That's talking about physical stuff. It goes into spiritual sides. It goes into personality. God will make up for your lacking. That's a big truth we need to absorb. Because God will ask you to do things that you can't do. And when you do do it, you know what it's called? It's a miracle. Right? It is. When you do something that you don't have the ability to, empowered by the Holy Spirit, that's a miracle. God loves doing miracles through us. And so that's where faith comes in. That's where we step out in faith and say, God, I'm scared to death to do this. I don't have the ability to do this. And he's like, you're right, but I'll make you able. And we step out and we do it. All right. There's so many more truths out there. Those are the ones that I just kind of pulled out 
Um, I want to encourage you guys to get in the Word and seek after the truth yourself. But the next part we're going to go into is recognizing the enemy. So I'm going to use the word the devil, okay? Um, But when I say that, I mean all that which opposes God, okay? When Jesus got after Peter and said, get behind me, Satan, was Peter Satan? No. Jesus recognized the things that oppose the kingdom of God that was coming from the enemy, from the devil. And so I'm just going to take that same um, liberty that Jesus did, if you don't mind. And when I say the devil, when I say using that in conjunction, it has to do with everything that opposes God. Okay? So recognizing the enemy. The devil, or that which opposes God, wants to make you ineffective. They know the pressure points. They know how to take the wind out of you. They know the right places to hit you, so you'll take yourself out of the battle. I have highlighted two ways which they do this. First, lying. Do you know that the devil lies? Lies, 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 lies. And then the second one I'm calling scheming. This was a hard concept for me to put together, but I think that we'll understand. So scheming um, is what I'm calling where they devise a plan using past hurt struggles and experiences to convince you by your own will to step out of the battle. So first, we're going to look at the lies. And so this is where I want some of your guys' participation. I know it's vulnerable, but that's okay. We're a tight-knit family here. What are some of the lies that you know the enemy has spoken over you? Please. That's right. That's right. Yep, I felt that one, man. It's never going to get better? Yeah. Any more? Yep. How could God love me? That was one of mine. Yeah, right? I want three more. Hmm. Yeah. You got to settle for a plan B. I love how God takes our plan Bs and makes them his plan A all the time. He does that. It's brilliant. Two more. Attack on the health. Yep. And that's a hard one, too, because we're all going to fail. Right? But there is that, like, attack, and then there's that failing. And for me, how do I, how do I work that out? It's so difficult. One more. Hmm. Did you guys all hear that one? God isn't available to change my life. And what did you say, Brenda? Confusion. Absolutely. What, that took all of about a minute and a half? And we threw out how many from how many different places? The enemy lies. Here's some that I wrote down. You can't struggle with sin and still be used by God. Have you guys ever felt that? How many times? When you say sin, people get all so weird about that. I mean anything in your life that's like, Getting in between you and the Holy Spirit. Anything that you know, what does it say? It says, uh, 
of Paul said, I do the things I know I'm not supposed to do, and I don't do the things I know I'm supposed to do. Yeah, he's just saying I'm a sinner, dang it. That's what he's saying. And so, for me, that was a big one. I would disqualify myself. The Holy Spirit's saying, I got this for you. And I'm like, no way, I sin. <laughs> he's like, I got this for you. Check it out. Everybody else does too. I've already taken care of that. That's a hard concept for us to understand, though. You can't hear God. That's not the Holy Spirit. <laughs> that one hit me hard for a long time. You don't have the skills to do that. You aren't anointed enough to operate in the gifts such as praying for healing, prophesying, or casting out demons. How many of us have felt that? Who believe in it? I mean, or how many times have you prayed for somebody and they didn't get healed, so you just thought that there was a problem with your anointing? That's not our problem. God's the healer. I mean, we have, we know a guy who has a new liver. He drank his liver dead. Self-induced liver failure. We prayed for so many people, nothing happens. We pray for him, he goes to the doctor, he's got a brand new liver, healed liver. I don't know, I don't understand, but the cool thing is, is that it's not up to us. We step out in faith and God does the outcome. I don't know why everybody doesn't get healed, but for that one, or for those five, if we don't step out, it's not going to touch them either. So you're right. By ourselves, we're not qualified, but with God, we are. <laughs> you are not qualified to do that. I'm not a missionary. I didn't go to Bible school. I'm not a good speaker. I'm not good with people. There's just so many things to disqualify ourselves. And these are some of the lies that he's worked on with me. You can't afford to do what God's asking you to do. <laughs> I know a lot of us that, have, that God has spoken to about doing some pretty big stuff. That one hits us all the time. You can't afford that. God can afford it. God will provide. So if God's speaking to you about doing something, do it. Don't let that lie take you out. Okay, so touch on the lies. We're going to touch on the schemes. <clears throat> This can be very difficult because it is often very familiar. Something you were raised with in abuse that has happened over and over. Something that is accepted by society. Something that you have gone so deep into you don't see a way out. Negative family legacies such as perfectionism or poverty mindset. This thing I'm calling scheming, <clears throat> it's very personal, okay? It's something that affects you as an individual. And the enemy knows your, your hurts, knows your pains, knows where to press to take you out. And these, these schemes make you feel disqualified, condemned, unaccepted, and they can also manifest in a different way in like a judgment towards others. So those of us who are perfectionism, who have perfectionism in them, um, we really need to understand the grace of God and live in that grace. And the enemy would love to take our family upbringing with perfection and push that and hurt other people with that because there's no grace involved there. 
So that's kind of one of the things, it's kind of the idea I'm talking about with scheming. So I want you guys to just kind of think for a second. What are some of these schemes that the enemy has used in my life? What are these things that kind of disqualify me? These schemes are often in opposition to the truth of God. Okay, so I'm, gonna, I'm just going to have to look at this page and read because this is hard for me. I'm going to express one of my schemes that, uh, that, that I had happened to me that I was able to recognize God came in and set me free with, which is really cool, but it's still kind of emotional for me. Um, so I'm just, I wrote it down here so I could make sure to get through this. So let me read this to you. I grew up in a very unhealthy environment. I always had to protect and provide for myself. I was emancipated at 17. I lost my mom at 15. I went through a very mean and painful divorce at 20-ish. So with so much pain, I closed a part of my heart off to where no matter what happened, no matter what happened, I could keep going. I wouldn't allow something to hurt me so much that it would take me out. And then God knocked on the door and asked if he could come in. How do I say no to him? So I allowed God to come in and he started healing my heart. And I started loving and living from a deeper place. So what was the scheme? The scheme was is that if you love so deeply, then you're not going to be able to function so you have to guard your heart so that you can continue on with life and you won't be devastated. You won't be rocked to your core. Well, how many of you guys know that that doesn't work in a marriage? It doesn't work in a marriage. I mean, it, you can be married, but you're not going to embrace the fullness of what God intended for marriage if you live that way. And so as God started healing my heart, and opening my heart, then all of a sudden, one day, I looked up, and I looked at my wife, and I realized I wouldn't be okay if I didn't have you. And gosh, that was like five years into our marriage, wasn't it? It was quite a ways. It wasn't like, you know, six months into our marriage. And that scared me, but my heart leapt at the same time. And so that's what I mean when I say scheming. It's very personal to your story. But God wants to set you free from the schemes of the enemy. And he wants to heal your heart. All right. So, we've looked at the kingdom truths, some of them. We've looked at recognizing our enemy who lies and schemes. And now it's time to look into an action plan. Are you guys following me? All right. So, how do we live in the truth of God, deflect the lies of the enemy, and overcome the schemes of the devil? Right? It's like we're in this battle, and we have to live in these truths, and we have to battle these things off of us so that we can be effective. Now, when I say be effective in the kingdom, I don't want you guys to hear me say you have to be a missionary. You have to do this. You have to do that. It happens in the everyday. So please understand that. I called one of my friends... 50 times, never picked up his phone, but the Holy Spirit told me that he was hurting. And every day, 30 seconds, goes a voicemail, hey, Nathan, I love you, just thinking about you, give me a call. Okay, so this same guy gave me a call and just asked me, because he said, 
he said, I've been in counseling, I've been on, um, I've been an alcoholic and been on painkillers, and that's why I haven't been calling you. But my, um, my uh, counselor, thank you, asked me if I had anybody that he knew that wasn't an alcoholic and on drugs. And the only one I could think of was you. And he lives in Washington State. And so he asked me, will you be, will you work this out with me over the phone once a week? And I said, yeah, sure. That's advancing the kingdom. That's loving through the garbage and in drawing people into God's love. And that was just a bunch of phone calls. That's the everyday. So please understand, each one of you can be effective in the kingdom of God in your circle of influence. Disclaimer. Thank you. Okay, so we have to be very intentional. We have to be intentional about loving God, loving people, and we have to invite Jesus into every part of your life, even the ugly places. Please do that. You want to see your life change? Say, Jesus, come into this spot I hate. Holy Spirit, I'm embarrassed about this. Can you please come in here and fix me? Because it doesn't matter how hard I try, I keep doing the same thing over and over again. You want your life to change? Invite the Holy Spirit. Invite the presence of Jesus into those dark places. So what does this look like? First, we must carve out time to be with God. Time to listen to God. Time to talk to God. Time to allow the Spirit to search us and wash us from the lies of this world. You have to make time for this, family. You have to make time for a relationship with Jesus. If you don't intentionally set aside time, you won't do it. What does that look like? I don't care. It's different for everyone. I'm a morning person. If I try to set time aside in the evening, I'll fall asleep. It's, it's a great way to fall asleep. Like, Lord, I love you. Last words I think of before I go to bed. It's great, but that's not what I'm trying to do. So this is what I do. I wake up, this is a fairly new routine, it's been about two or three weeks, but I've gone through certain routines like this throughout my Christian life. So right now I wake up at 5.15, I don't have to, I don't have anywhere to go. My job is at my house. But I wake up at 5.15 and I drink a couple of cups of water, I drink some coffee, and I sit down and I read a devotion right now. And then I break open my Bible and I ask the Holy Spirit to come and to illuminate his word to me and to speak to me. And I spend about 15 minutes in the Bible. And then I go out and I do my chores. Then I hit the gym and I found this really awesome place to meet with God. My gym has a steam room that nobody ever uses. <laughs> and I do. I seriously, I go into this steam room and I get about 20 minutes of prayer with the Holy Spirit. <laughs> no, because then someone else will be using it. <laughs> it's my spot. <laughs> oh, that's funny. But, but seriously, this has been a routine that I've stepped into, and it's great. It's really been helping me. So you have to carve out time. What does it look like for you? Is it on your lunch break while you walk? Is it in the morning like me? Is it in the evening after you put your kids to bed? Or... Whenever it is, I don't know, but figure out that time and make it holy because God thinks it's holy. This one goes along with number one, a little different, 
but just as important. Invite the Holy Spirit into the everyday, every moment part of our lives. Before reacting to a situation, ask the Spirit how to respond. Let me repeat that. Before reacting to a situation, ask the Holy Spirit how to respond. Ask the Spirit, what does love look like in this situation? So I got a really quick story of where I failed. We're getting closer to the end here, guys, so stick with me. Um, I was doing my chores at my house, taking care of my puppies. I got my radio on, and I kept hearing these voices. And I live on five acres. I have like three houses I can see and one neighbor up above me. So I'm pretty secluded. And by the third time I heard these voices, I'm like, what is going on? So I walk down, and I live on like a cliff, basically. It's like a 50-foot cliff. It's like the rock. You say our house is on the rock. It is. Pretty cool. Um, and right below is this little turnout where our mailboxes is. So I, I go down there, and I look, and there's this like really junky old Durango sitting down there. And I'm like, that's weird. It's not a parking spot. We're on Old Moral Road, a rural road. And they're just pulled over. And I, I look over, and literally there are these three... 19, 20-year-old guys sitting right on the other side of my fence up this, like, 40-foot cliff. They climbed up this cliff, and they're hanging out right there. And I'm like, my kids play right here. Excuse me, what are you doing? And I just came with, like, this attitude. I'm a papa bear, right? I mean, I am very protective. But I just reacted, and... Yeah, they were up to no good. They, they were like, we're just chilling. And I'm like, well, why don't you chill at the park? And they're like, well, we don't want to deal with the cops. So then you're not just chilling. Dude, we're just trying to smoke a bowl. And I'm like, okay, well, I was raised with that. It doesn't freak me out. I don't do it anymore, I promise, 15 years. But I'm very comfortable around those environments. I was raised in the Hells Angels, okay? So it doesn't scare me at all. Um, but... All of a sudden, I'm just like, you got to get out of here. And I got all aggressive and basically ran them down the hill and told them, get out, scat. And you know what? The Holy Spirit spoke to me after that. I was totally justified in that, right? Anybody else feel like I was justified? Running three 20-year-old guys off of my property five feet away from where my kids could be playing. I have no idea who they are, what they're up to, if they have bad plans or not bad plans. I don't even care at that point. Get out. That was my heart. That was where I was at. But the Holy Spirit spoke and said, you know, you could have missed an opportunity. You could have come in love. And then, you know, if you had to do something, you still would do it. But if my heart was more towards love, I could have actually shared a little bit of God's love. Invite the Holy Spirit into the everyday moments. Ask the Holy Spirit how do I respond before I react? What does love look like? And literally pause. I will pause when I'm angry and go, God, what does love look like? I will do that. Like for my kids, when they hit my fridge with their bat and dent it, God, what does love look like? <laughs> Just being honest. Um, so the third truth is be saturated in the, the, the third way in our action plan, is to be saturated in the truth. Be filled with the scriptures. You want to know 
who God thinks you are, what God says about you, how you overcome the schemes. Get in the Bible, okay? I've had, like, big conversations with people about what the Bible is, this, that, and the other, and I believe that God is just all about the Bible and that the Bible is invaluable and that God uses the Bible to transform people's lives. It says that, that the washing of the word cleanses us. And I believe that with all of my heart because I've gone through that process multiple times. And so be saturated in the truth. Be saturated in the Bible. Please, read your Bibles. If you've read it a bunch of times, ask the Lord to show you a different angle. Start getting into the history. You cannot exhaust the beauty of the Bible. But so many times we feel like it's become dry. The Bible's not dry. If you feel like it's dry, you need the Holy Spirit oil to kind of get you going again because it's not the Bible. So get in the Word. Be aware of what you let into your minds. Images, language, gossips, judgments. Don't let the enemy get in through those cracks. Guard your heart, guard your mind. Super important in our culture. Philippians 4.8 says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. That's what we're supposed to think about. That's how we believe the best in one another. Instead of getting overwhelmed and bombarded by the junk that I find on my computer. You like those ads that come up or like news? Yahoo is not news. I got to tell you, like I don't even know where to find news anymore. Because I don't care about this celebrity or that celebrity. I'm looking to see what's going on around the world. But all this stuff is just so silly. We got to guard our minds. We got to guard our hearts. Be aware of the schemes that are used to hurt you and stand against them. Live by kingdom principles. Be honest, be generous, be faithful. Don't expose other shortcomings, but help them excel. Love covers a multitude of sins. Be humble, believe the best in people, be patient, be kind, love well. You want to go on the offensive? Live out 1 Corinthians 13. Number seven, continue to grow in the spirit of God. So important to continue to grow. Don't stop. I don't care how old you are. I don't care how young you are. I don't care if you have doctorates or if you don't. Don't stop learning and discovering the Spirit of God. And the greatest way to stay effective and relevant in the kingdom is to once again, back to how simple it is, love God and love others. Make that your priority. And you'll always be effective. You'll always be relevant. And just remember that we have an enemy that's trying to take us out of the game. It's real. And our lives have purpose. And when I get up there, I'm sure that God's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant to all of us, because that's just how gracious he is. But I want to be in a spot where I was like, Poppy, I hope I didn't miss anything. I hope, I hope I was able to do what you asked me to do. It's important and it's real. And one day, when we stand up there in that glorious place, it's going to be, we can't change it. It's done. 
And we won't care because we're going to be so rejoicing with God, it's going to be so amazing. But right now, family, is when we can change it. And so I want to encourage you all in that. So that's my message. That's what um, God put on my heart. Lord, I pray that you would help this truth to sink deep into our hearts. Lord, change us. I come with great anticipation that you're changing us today. That you are drawing us into your loving kindness and that you're helping us to recognize and overcome the schemes of our enemy. Lord, I pray that you would meet each one here this morning and throughout this next week that they, their lives would be changed and that you would forever be drawing each one of us deeper and deeper into your love and into your truths and help us to be effective in your kingdom. So I went a little long. I apologize for that, but I do that almost every time, so I expected it. <laughs> what I want to do is I know that there's some people here that are living under some of these schemes that it just got shifted up to the top, and I'm not going to leave this place without you guys getting prayer. And so what we've been doing, I guess, or what we're trying to do these days is people who need prayer and who want prayer, we're going to go over here, and then those of us who will pray for you will come over and pray. 